all of us come to a point in our lives, there, there's things that we know that need to change. How many of you got, how many of you have things this year that you say, something got to change? Come on. And then you say it with an attitude, something's got to change. You know what I mean? And uh, I love it when I do uh, marriage, uh, premarital counseling, and you look at those, that couple, and they look at each other, and they go, he's just perfect. I go, something's going to change, honey. And we know that, you know, when you, if you're married and you, you go on your honeymoon and everything else and you, hadn't, you, you just don't know each other, you know each other, but you don't know each other that well. And you go to the bathroom at night and you, as a man, a stupid man, you leave the toilet lid open in the middle of the night. She's got to go and you hear her scream, ah, something's going to change. And so I love seeing the, like marriages when all of a sudden you say, you know, well, this is the way it's going to be. The, the man, I'm, I'm telling that woman, let me tell you. I remember in the, when I was at Our Lady of Fatima in the 11th grade, and I told Ms. Zinner, she was my history teacher, and I said, let me tell you something. One day when I get married, my wife's going to clean my ducks. She's going to do all this stuff. And she goes, Bubba McCann, i never forget, Bubba McCann, you're a stupid man, and you got a long way to go, honey. <laughs> and she was right. But, you know, it's so good to be here with you. If you're a first-time visitor, just let me let you know, only good-looking people come to our Savior's church. And we're so glad that you're here with us. We don't know how you found out, but we're just glad that you came to visit and give us a chance. But I believe this for all of us is that today I just want to wrap up some stuff that we've been talking about as pastors. And I know Zach's been doing it the last three weeks and it's been incredible. But I just want to talk about how many know that sometimes change is hard to do? Just sometimes it's just hard. And, and, you know, how do you change? When I think about the word change, I think about a scripture. I'm going to give you two scriptures today. One's going to be Romans chapter 12. The other's going to be the last chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And what happens is we know that in Romans, Paul begins to speak to them. And I'm going to speak out of a different, uh, the NLT translation, but I know all the others by heart. But it just says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, Romans 12, 2. In other words, it's saying, the Bible, there's another, don't be, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed. And then it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many of you know that all of us have some thinking sometimes, some stinking thinking that needs to change? And what happens is in this verse, it goes, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, what he's saying here, don't be conformed into this world. Don't be, it's really what it's saying, that, that version, if you look it up, what it's really saying is don't be like a coin that's being pressed and stamped and you become like everybody else that's pressed and stamped. That you, don't, you become an individual. You become who God created you to be. You become that very person that God loves. Well, Pastor Bubba, you don't know who I am. But I know this, God loves you. Because I know this, you know what? God doesn't want you to be like everybody else. God created you to be like who you are. And you say, well, Pastor, you don't know who I am. When I look in the mirror, I don't like who I see. You know what? God, when He created you, it's like He saw them. He created you and He threw away the mold. He said, there'll never be another one like this. And so what he's saying is, he's saying this will be changed in our thinking. And you know, there's sometimes we have some wrong ideas, some wrong thinking. And when you come to know Jesus, the real, when you have an encounter with Jesus, not that you just talk about Jesus, not that you just go to church to listen about Jesus. When you meet the person of Jesus, you're never the same. 
And see what he's saying right here? He's saying this, and what Romans is really saying, he said it's like a metamorphosis. When you begin to let Jesus in your life, and it begins to change you, you come in, it's like, it's like a, a caterpillar going into a cocoon, and you know what caterpillars look like. They just eat leaves, and they drive you crazy, or they eat your tomato plants, you got to kill them. You know what I'm saying? But what happens is just, they, they, they look a certain way, and they go in this cocoon, and they come out totally different. And that's what the scripture is saying. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. When you meet Jesus, you're not conformed to the image of this world. You're transformed. And God begins to give you a new mind, a new way of thinking. And all of a sudden, he says this. And this is what it says at the end. He says, it's good. It's pleasing to God. Think about that. It's good. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. God wants, you know, how many of you have children? How many of you know as a kid, you just want to please your mom and daddy? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's some, you know, they, they try to manipulate what they want to make you think that they're pleasing you. But I know this is that one of the things that I see in the scripture, the word picture is the caterpillar. I want to talk to you about a guy that I can relate to this morning. And I think you can relate to. His name's Peter. And I'm a little fond of my grandson, Peter. But the, the thing is, is, you know, one of the things about Peter in the Bible, we know this, that he was passionate he was passionate. I'm, 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 a kind of, I'm a passionate kind of guy. I don't know if you can tell yet. But anyway, I, I'm one of these kind of guys. I mean, I mean, I love adventure. I love to hunt. I, love to, I like to fish, but I like to hunt more than I like to fish. But, I mean, there's just things that I do. I like to go hiking. I like to climb mountains. I like to go out in the surf. I like to do, there's things that I love to do and I'm passionate about. And, and then well, we see that Peter's passionate. He's all about whatever Peter's into. He's all in. I mean, I'm talking about all in. And what happens is, is that you see this, he's passionate, but he said some stupid stuff too. How many of you have ever said a few stupid things? Don't raise your hand for your husband, but anyway, just. But what he's saying right here, what happens is, and then you look at the life of Peter, and what do you see? I'm just going to talk, just highlight some things of Peter. Peter, we know this, was called, he was a fisherman. And he was fishing one day, not catching anything. Jesus came into the Galilee region, and he began to preach, and he got him in Peter's boat. And that's what God will do. He'll step into your life as he stepped into Peter's boat. And he stepped out, and he began to preach to people on the shore. And Peter is a fisherman, and Jesus said, after he'd heard him and everything, he said, well, cast your net. And he said, Lord, listen, man, why don't you stick to preaching? I'll stick to fishing. Don't get up in my boat and in my life and start telling me what I need to do. Because I know what's happened. Every time I've done it, I know what to do. You know, sometimes we think we know what to do until God steps into our life and he begins to act like God and he begins to speak to us the things that we need to change. And what happens, he gets in the boat and he throws out the net and he catches these fish and he goes, God, get out of my boat. I'm a sinner. You're a holy man. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Hey man, you've been fishing for these fish, but I'm going to turn you to be a fisher of men, and your name's not going to be Simon anymore. It's going to be Peter, so you come follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. We know that he was called. All of us have a call of God in our life, not just preachers or people that are in ministry. You are called to do something. Amen? We're called to be a Christian. That means we, we're called to be something before we do something. And what happens is we know that he also did this. He walked on water. 
He, let's, I mean, come on, let's give, a little glory, let's give a little credit to the guy who walked on water. I mean, Jesus walking in this storm, he sees Jesus and he goes, hey, Lord, can I come walk and meet you? And he meets him and all of a sudden he sees his surroundings and we know that he sank and Jesus grabbed him by the hand and saved him. And so then we know this, that it was another time when Jesus was asked the disciples, what do people say about me? Who do they say that I am? And Peter comes, well, Lord, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. And he looked at Peter and he says, Peter, flesh and blood has not told you this. But my father has spoken to you. We know this also. And we know that he denies Christ. Remember? I mean, he's, that's like, listen, you got to know this. In, even in the region in Galilee and stuff, they had accents. That would that'd be like sending someone from Mamu to Missouri. Okay? And we have people at our Eunice Church that are from Mamu. No, no offense if you're listening on. But you just have an accent. Now, I mean, you go to Homa, you know they got accents down there. We have a lady in our, our church in, um, in, in Jennings. Her name's Miss uh, Margie. Margie. Pastor, Miss Margie. She's from Dulac. Okay? Now, like, she grew up in a fishing camp. She had a second grade education, but she loves Jesus. But see, what happens in this region, they all talk, kind of, they had an accent. And so here they go, and they're going, to, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's going before the Sanhedrin, and this little girl goes, you've been with Jesus. He goes, no, I've been with Jesus. And you sound like them. You sound like all those Galileans. What? Denies him three times. We know that. Then there's a period that something happens, and that's what I want to talk about today. But in the meantime, what happens, we know this. After this, something happens, Jesus comes back. And what happens, there's a call the day of Pentecost when he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, he, he leads thousands of people to Jesus in, in, in the book of Acts. And he leads, he, he's one of the leaders of the church. And then he influences leaders. He writes two books in the Bible. There's a critical moment that, G, that, that with Jesus that could have changed it all if he wouldn't have had a critical moment with him. You see, something happened between denying and him having an encounter with God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. You see, something happened. Without that moment, you, can't, you, don't, do, you don't know if any, any if everything else is going to happen in this story. How many of you, remember, how many of you ever saw Back to the Future? I'm going to age a few people. Y'all saw Back to the Future Part 2 was on the other night. Luke stayed up and watched it. My youngest son is Pastor Zach's mini-me. He actually looks like Pastor Zach. But what happens without a beard? He's 13. But what happens is in Back to the Future, remember Marty McFly? And actually, when he goes to the future, the future date is October 21st, 2015. And he goes back, and as he goes back, we know this is that, that remember the scene where there's the, a the future, and all of a sudden he sees the future and he's not doing what he should, and people start fading out of the picture because of choices and things that happened because they weren't going to happen because the picture started. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? And what happens is we all make decisions today that influence what our future is going to be and what others' people, others' futures are going to be. You see, have you ever had a moment like that where that's, that's what happened to Peter? You see, Peter's story could have, could have looked radically different if it wasn't for one moment and one breakfast with Jesus. 
Turn with me to John chapter 21. It's the last chapter in the book of the Gospel of John. And what happens here is in the Gospel of John, now John was a follower of Jesus. He was the one that many people said that he, that, that he leaned upon Jesus' breast at uh, the Last Supper. It's a different gospel than the other three gospels. Actually, there's five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most people don't read those, but you're the fifth gospel. Most people will read you and see how you live. And it makes them go, maybe I might want to know that Jesus that they know. And see, what happens is, is in verse 10, And Jesus said to them, Bring me some of the fish you have just caught. Now see what? These guys have just gone back to fishing. Isn't it amazing how when we lose um, our step with Jesus, how we go back to the things that he called us out of? Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, look, and if you begin to harden your heart towards the Lord, you're just going to go back to the things that maybe God's delivered you from. So what they go back to the familiar. And what happened, Jesus wanted to make them fishers of men, and they forgot that. How many of you know that sometimes when you go through a crisis, you forget all the other times God showed up in your life? How many of you know as Christians, sometimes we have amnesia quickly? And so what happens is, listen to verse 11. So Simon, Peter, climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. And it was full of large fish, 153. But if you saw some verses before that, they tried it before and the net broke. But I've learned this is when Jesus tells you to do something and it had many of them try to pick it up. Peter picked it up by himself and brought it to shore. I mean, if God tells you to do something, he'll give you the ability to do what you got to do with it. Amen. And it was a large net, 153. But even even with so many, the net was not torn. All the other times it was torn. But here, you know what? I, I read one time that they said that in the Sea of Galilee, there was 153 different species of fish. Maybe he caught every single species of fish. I mean, that might preach to you, especially if you're a fisherman. And what happened is, is that, but Jesus said to him, come and have breakfast. This is what we're, this is what we're after in this series. Jesus is inviting you to have breakfast with him. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Peter's busted. How many of you ever got busted by your mom or dad when you did something stupid? Okay, the rest of you, we're wondering about you. But see, what happens is Peter's quit. He's busted. My second son, I've mentioned about Andrew, he used to have this thing for colors. He would take all the paper off the colors and break them. And he would, like, get high. You know, he just... I mean, he just had this thing about Crayolas. And we didn't have any Crayolas that had paper on them. Because he would just get pregnant. <laughs> and so I told him, you know, when he was, I guess he was about three, four. I don't know. I think he was about three. And I go, Andrew, don't break any more colors or tear the paper. If you break colors, they spank you. Do you understand? And when he was little, he always had snot coming out. And he'd go, yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. So one day I come in from work, and I'm looking at my wife. And I say, hey, where's Zach and Andrew? 
Oh, Zach's right here. He's in the back. Zach's in the back. And where's Andrew? Oh, he's in his room. I don't know what he's doing. So I'm, I'm sneaking, just kind of, kind of hang out with him a little bit. And all of a sudden, I see his boots sticking out of the corner of the closet. He's kind of like this with his boots. And I look over the corner, and he's, over, he's in the corner going... He's breaking colors and tearing paper off. And so I just do like this. I go, Andrew. And he goes, ah, no, daddy. Grab this boot. No, daddy, don't spank me. That's called busted. Peter's busted. He's gone back to fishing. Imagine how awkward that might have felt. You know what? How many of you have ever been discouraged? Come on. Okay, let's be honest. How many of you have ever lied in your life? Come on. Let's, let's, let's. How many of you never lied? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. What happens here in this story right here, I think about, I've been studying about Martin Luther King Jr. when the Martin Luther uh, MLK Day was like three weeks ago. And I began to, I found a, one of the sayings he had when he was discouraged. And, you know, he went through discouragement. And he said, living every day under the the threat of death, I feel discouraged sometimes. Living every day under in, in, intensive circumstances, even from Negroes, I feel discouraged sometimes. Yes, sometimes discouraged, and I feel my works in vain. But I love this part. He said, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. God gives us a window in this conversation. Let's, let's go on. None of the disciples, it says, dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. Sound like a story before? Sound familiar? This is now the third time Jesus appeared disciples after he raised them he was raised from the dead imagine how tense this must have been they weren't sure what jesus was going to say you ever had that where your parents when you were a kid they were they were upset with you and you didn't say nothing because you didn't know what was going to happen they were thinking man he's upset is he going to rebuke us Oh, he's going to rebuke Peter. He always does something stupid. The other disciple, you know, he's going to get Peter. You know, how, you know what? He corrected Peter more regularly and more often than any disciple. There is. In fact, Peter, if you read the scriptures, Peter got rebuked by the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father. Imagine that on your, on your, your resume, rebuked by the entire trinity. I remember my mom turned 70 years old and I got invited, me and my brother and my wife and his wife. And there's nine kids, but I got the honor of being invited in this exclusive place in Lafayette. And my stepfather stood up and we were there to honor my mom turning 70. And he said, before I introduce you to our son, I have to say a few things about him. Out of all of our children, he gave us more hell than anybody. He causes more pain, more heartache, more sorrow than any of our children. 
But now he's a preacher. And now he's helping people just that were just like him. Now he's helping them. We're going to ask him to come and pray. I thought, you go, I was so honored. Because I knew it was the hardest head. I knew I was the most stubborn. I was the most rebellious. But see, listen, let me tell you something. This morning, right now in Jennings, there's three couples that we have two services. Fixing to go to three services in three weeks. There's three couples that are talking about change. There's one couple that she, when she was a little girl, her mother was an alcoholic. And Claire knows who was with her best friend growing up. Her mother was an alcoholic. She was molested by her stepfather. She recently got married, and her husband just went through a time where God really came and touched his life. He was hooked on pornography, and they're sharing their story this morning. There's another couple that's going to get up, and she's from Lake Arthur, and she did drugs and all this stuff. She moved away, got away, ended up in a divorce, and met God, and had her, met her future husband, and he said, Lake, if you don't change, I'm marrying you. You're messed up. And he went to a rehab thing, and now he has a ministry that ministers to people all over the country. And they're getting up and they're telling their story, how God changed them. And I was in Jenny's this morning early, and I said, I looked at, I looked at that young girl that was Claire's friend. I said, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because that's what the gospel's all about. That one time this was part of your life, but it's not who you are. It's not your identity. It's not part of your life. But you can come and you can tell people what Jesus has done in your life, so they can have hope that they can change. I remember one time I was in a church and I said, man, I used to, I used to, you know, I got up and I said, I do all the drugs I want. Oh, my God. In fact, I smoke all the dope. I smoke all the dope I want to. And they go, oh, Jesus, help him. And I just started going along. And, man, I get messed up all the time because I want to. I said, but you know what? Whatever back then. Now it's 36 years. I can say that. But 36 years ago, Jesus shame I want to. I don't want to do that. That's not who I am. That's, who, that's not who I am anymore. And can I tell you something? There's people sitting here right now. You're not what you used to be. But there are also people sitting here this morning that you're going, you know, I need to change. And let me tell you something. This is the perfect place. This is a church. We don't judge you by who you are right now because we know when Jesus comes and you invite him and you say, Jesus, I need change, he can come and bring the change that you've been longing for, that you've been hoping for. Am I in the right church this morning? You ought to do better than that for Jesus. Think about it. In verse 15, he said, When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Notice he didn't call him, he calls him Simon. He didn't call him Peter right here. Jesus had changed his name because of his faith and his understanding. He wasn't that guy right now. In fact, he wasn't addressing the upgrade. He was the best version of who Peter was. He was talking to him in his lowest moment, in his lowest state. Are y'all with me? Then he goes on, let me just wrap this up. Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, there's four kinds of love in the Greek. I'm not going to go into describing and naming all of them, but the first one is about, like 
the love is like, you know, like, I love cats. I love dogs. I don't love cats. I'm just making a confession. Okay. Anyway, the devil, he even says he's like a cat. Okay. He, anyway, but, you know, lion's part of the cat family. Anyway, this is that. But anyway. It's like, I love fuzzy things. I love your hair. I love, then there's a kind of love that it's an eros love, which is a sensual love. You know, then there's the brotherly kind of love that, that, that's where they get Philadelphia from. Philo means your brotherly love. Then there's the highest form of love called agape, which is God's love that it gave unselfishly, expecting nothing in return. But what happens is, what happens is right here, he says, feed my sheep. And again, Jesus, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. She said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked him three times. Why? Because he denied him three times. The Lord will meet us wherever we're at. How many believe that? He'll go as far as we want to go. Look, look at me. I want to tell you something. You can write this down. You're as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to God as you really want to be. It's not about feelings, nothing more than feelings. You can get that on my Pastor Bubba's top ten. Anyway, just after service. I don't know if they have any left, but anyway. But what happens is, is a, God will go as far as you want to go, and he'll go as deep as you want to go. See, how, to, how God changes? Let me give you three things, and I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to be quick about it. God initiates a moment of honest assessment. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Jesus is not bringing up the past. Now, he's not talking about denials. What he's doing, he isn't, isn't it amazing how we think God is going to treat us when we blow it? How many ever blown it? Okay. My hair is sticking up. All right, we've blown it. We've all blown it. You ever do a personal assessment test on yourself? You think you're completely this? And your wife will look at you. Your husband will go, that ain't you. Or your best friend, no. You think that's you, but that ain't you. You see, we're not as good at assessing ourselves. Come on. How I many you know, it's always easy to compare yourself. Well, I'm not as bad as them. I'm better looking than they are. I'm this, my little girl, Olivia, she's 11, and one night, a couple, about a week or two ago, we were in there watching TV, watching a show, and my wife goes, my wife says something, and I say something, and I go, she, I go, baby, because she was, we're talking about something being ugly, she goes, I said, what if you marry somebody ugly? She goes, dad, have you seen this face? This ain't marrying nothing ugly. I go, ooh. Jesus, Jesus tells Peter to come and have breakfast. How many of you know that we're all one step away from stupid? Come on. How many of you know that we all deal with the inner jerk inside of us sometimes? 
Come on, go to a red light this long in Lafayette. We we overestimate our ability and we underestimate our potential to blow it. If you're really going to experience a genuine transformation, you have to get really radically honest with, you got to get brutally honest with yourself. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? It's usually painful when you find out how far off you've been. I remember being in Hawaii one time, and I was going, we were snorkeling, and as we were snorkeling, we were going, all right, we're going right out this way. Me and my brother and two of my cousins, and we're out there, and we're, 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 we're swimming in Maui, and it's beautiful. You can see the bottom, and I mean, it's just awesome. And then after a while, you come up, and you realize where the beach used to be ain't where it is. We're way over here, because what happened, we didn't know that there was a current pushing us. And sometimes you don't know how far off you are until you get to the point where you see where you need to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just don't know. I can't tell you how many times someone has told me, man, Pastor Bubba, I need some help. My life is screwed up. My life is messed up. Pastor, my life, you just don't know. I had a guy the other night came up to me. He He'd asked one of the guys in my church, hey, man, is that Pastor Bubba? I had my little English hat. It was cold. It was actually in November. I was wearing a jacket. It finally got a little cool again. He goes, is that Pastor Bubba? And he goes, yeah, man. He comes up to me. His his name's Chris. He's done work at my house before. I know his family and stuff. And he comes up to me. He goes, Pastor Bubba, whatever Billy Knight has. Now, he's, he's a guy in our church that his daddy was a judge. In town, been got delivered from drugs at 39. What happened is he got arrested with this little girl in the car making a drug deal. And he goes, Something's got to change. I'd already been preaching to him. I'd show up at his house. He, he goes, Oh, it's Pastor Bubba again. The funny thing is, my wife and I, we moved to Jennings, we bought his mom and dad's house. So I've always had a burden for their family. Every time I'd call him, I'd go see him, talk to him. But it was that moment. Billy is a, let me tell you, Holy Ghost, God-fearing, loves God, tell you about Jesus and make you laugh. Kind of guy. And he's just, everybody knows, he's got, how many of you know there's people that got a reputation in your family or in this city or wherever you have, you know, come, come on, at work. It's like, it's the worst guy that you think that can never change. Listen to me. People put a never on people. God never puts a never on anybody ever. Only people do. He's one of those kind of people. No, not, he'll never. And when Chris came to me, whatever Billy Knight has, Pastor Bubba, I want it. I said, you want that? You want that? Let me tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take people up in your life. I said, your life is like a tent. If the wind comes, you need people that are like tent pegs that hold you down, that can get up in your grill, get up in your life and ask you questions. And when they finish asking you questions, did you just lie to me? Because I'm here for you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here because I've been there. I remember when I was young. I remember when I just got finished getting out of drugs a week, okay? I'd help the guy one time. 
okay, let me just go back to my old world, okay? I remember, how I many you know, when you're in the drug culture and you give somebody some good stuff, they want to pay you back. They go, mm-hmm. Pastor, you know, Bubba, man, that dope you gave me, I smoked it. Woo! It was good. And so I'm driving back, coming from offshore, working for John Chancellor Associates. And I'm coming back, and this guy, I'm driving him to where he's going to go, and I'm going to church, okay? It's a Wednesday night, going to meet my new friends. And all of a sudden, he, he burns, starts, he lit one up, starts burning. And I didn't know, I realized, and he, man, remember that time you got me stoned? I got crippled, buddy. I got payback. I'm like, ah, man, no, man, I, I don't want that. No, man, I, I mean, God, no. He asked me about seven, eight times. I'm like, no, no, about the seven, eighth, seventh, eighth time. I just went, give me that. <laughs> I dropped him off. It was the last time I ever did it. But you know what I had to do? I had to get real with my new friends. And you know what? Instead of going, you, what? You cigarette-sucking sinner, you. What do you think? I mean, you know, whatever name you have. They weren't like that to me. I said, come on, Baba. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. God saved you. You don't need to go back to that. You don't, be like, you don't need to be like a dog going back to its vomit. You can be different. He's inside of you. And that's where I began to realize the grace of God. And from that day, 36 years ago to this day, I've smelt dope, but I haven't smoked it. I haven't gone around looking for nose hits either while I'm talking to people that are smoking it. But can I tell you something? Listen to me. 17 years ago this weekend, we started our first campus in Jennings, Louisiana. Look what God can do, not through me, but for people that believe that God can touch and change people's lives. Amen? Amen. I don't know where I am, but I'm going somewhere. You got to get plugged in. What do you mean, Pastor? That's why we have life groups here at this campus. That's why we have Next Step. You need to get plugged in. Come on. You can't pick the family you were born into, but you can pick the family that you walk with spiritually. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My mom, used to, my mom got pregnant for me when she was 16, and she'd tell me sometimes I was a mistake. I wanted to tell her sometimes, Mama, you know, you were a mistake. I wanted to be born by that rich, nice lady around the corner. <laughs> the second thing you have to realize is the power of God's love that changes us. The greatest force in the entire universe It's not what Russia has or what we have in our nuclear arsenal. The greatest force in the entire universe is the love of God. Because when you get a little bit of dab of that, a dab won't do. You get immersed in His forgiveness. You get immersed in His Every Sunday, we as pastors, Pastor Zach, Pastor Jamie, Pastor, Pastor Josh, myself, we come and we tell you, we love you. God loves you. Why? Because God loves you. And see, the number one reason people don't change is because they think change is, is, is you got to work harder or you got to do this or you got to jump through this loop. Number one, when, when you encounter God's love, you change forever. You change forever. 
You change for what you, let me tell you something, you will change for what you love. I know guys that I went to high school and junior high school with. They never brushed their teeth and they never took a bath, but they saw this one girl and they said, man, I got to get to know her. And they started brushing their teeth and washing their hair and spraying monkey juice all over them. You change for what you love. I remember when I saw Miss Tracy, my wife of 32 years, almost 33 years ago. When I heard her pray, and I'll be honest with you, I'm just, Claire's here, she, maybe she's, when I heard her pray, I thought, my gosh, she can pray, and she's good looking. Then I saw her, at a, we were doing a, a youth camp, and I saw her in her bathing suit, and said, she's it. That's like a ripe grape, and I'm going to pick that. But can I tell you something? I never touched her. I never violated her to the night we got married. Are you hearing me? I kept, I mean, that was the, let me tell you, that was more the power of God than me, anything else in my life. You're not, I'm not kidding you. Because when I made a commitment, I said, God, I don't want to tell a girl I love her to the next words come out of my mouth, will you marry me? Because before that, I was just, I'm not even going to go there, but it's just, it wasn't, see, I believe this, you sacrifice for what you love. Are you in here? Are you hearing me? You change for what you love. When something's important enough, you find a way to make it happen. Come on. I've seen guys, they fall in love with a bass boat, and they go, we're going to make this happen. When's the last time you go, you know what? I'm going to make this happen for my wife. I'm going to make this happen for the kingdom of God. I'm going to make this happen for my family. When something's important enough, you change. Let me just, sometimes, you know what it is? You just got to raise your love temperature. Some of you, you've been out of love with everything. I've learned this. If you get your, you start hanging around people that love Jesus and they want to honor him, all of a sudden your temperature gets, starts going up. I'm in, am I in the right house? Am I in the right church? Are y'all hearing me? Because I'll just say this. God's walking. Jesus is walking between these aisles. He's touching hearts. He's exposing things because he loves us. Not because he's out to get us. He wants you to have a better marriage. He wants you to be a better mom and dad. He wants you to be a better worker, a better citizen, a better employer. We need change. It's not trying harder, but it's experiencing the love of God. Sometimes, I'll just say this. I'm a hugger and a kisser kind of person. That's Claire. Okay, that's just me. I kiss all my sons on their lips. I mean, they like people go, that's gross. That's just the way we do it. <laughs> now, my daughter-in-laws, they don't kiss. I kiss them on the cheek. That's about as far as I go with my daughter-in-laws. And I say, I said, because you know what? I like showing my kids. You know, our grandkids, they don't come. Like Zach and Claire's kids, they don't come. So I'm like, hey, 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 where you going? I need a hug. I need a kiss. Papa needs a kiss. Oh, Papa, you know. But, you know, like when Peter, who I was preaching about her, when little Peter comes to my house, he goes, Papa. He likes Nerf guns. He got a whole load. My wife told me last night, she goes, you know what? Out of all the grandkids, he may be your hunter. Change is a process. 
But it starts with the first step. How many of you know, you just, sometimes you just got to make a decision. Today's the day. Jesus asked him, do you love me? Really what he was saying is, come on, Pete. It's time to get back in the game, bro. It's okay. Come, get in the game. They're not leaving because I'm preaching bad. You ever see the picture with Jesus and he's watching the sheep and he's got that staff with the crook? See, I want you to understand this. When Jesus sees something like an assignment of the enemy coming at your life, he uses that one side. It's called the rod. And he'll try to beat your enemies away. And that's where you need friends where the Bible says, better are the wounds of a friend rather than the kisses of an enemy. Do you have enough friendships in your life that will tell you you don't need to be hanging out with that guy? That girl will take you places. You don't need to be allowing them to influence you. Do you understand the negative impact they're having in your marriage? Do you understand? Are you hearing me? We all need people like that. But then he has the crook. And when we get discouraged or we get feeling down, that's to bring us back. Come on. Time to get in the game. That's what I do as a pastor. One of the joys of being a pastor is when someone really gets it. The pastor, I I blow it. I've been there with them. And they don't look like, their marriage is just like, how's this going to work? Our child. Pastor, you just don't know. No, I know, I got six. I got one in jail right now. making a step the first step my son in jail God's speaking to him believe me he knows there has to be change if you're going to change I believe you have to keep it simple and commit to only a few basic next steps just see what happens the first step towards getting somewhere is decide you're not going to stay where you're at hello I'm not staying here anymore have you ever been mad of where you at you go this is it have you ever spoken to your cigarette it's the last one you're it Or you looked at the bottle and you go. I remember talking to a guy in Eugene, Oregon. He lived in an underpass. I invited him to church. He came. He got saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He grabbed me. He said, Bubba, come see. And he started digging in these bushes like a dog. And he pulls out a bottle of wine. And he said, listen, you were, you were a nice guy. And I just came because I... You're just nice to me. But after the service, I was going to drink this sucker. But I love, I never forget, he goes, but today, I don't need this anymore. 
Today I've given my life to Jesus. I've met him. It was a first step. All of us need first steps. Come on. How I many you know we don't start running? We got to learn to walk, crawl, then walk, and then run. Amen? You got to change. Decide. There's 250 million version apps, downloads with the Bible and stuff. But I wonder how many people actually read it. When it comes to change, I've learned this. Less is more. I got to focus on some things. I can't do everything at one time. But Lord, there's things and God will change you as you let him one step at a time. See, focus on just a few and nailing them down. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen in the book of Acts. He knew Peter was going to preach to thousands and they get saved in Acts 2. He knew the early church was going to be explode in growth. He knew that Peter was going to be arrested and beaten and crucified upside down. Jesus doesn't tell Peter all that. He makes it simple for Peter. You know what he does? Peter, just feed my sheep. Take one step. See, you don't change alone. You can't change yourself. How many tried to change yourself before? Just don't work, does it? Religion can't change you. But all I can say this, but Jesus can. When you experience Him for who He really is. May 15th, 1980, on a Wednesday. I experience the love and the power and the freedom and the forgiveness of Jesus. You and I have to give up our life in order to receive his life. It was saying, today, Lord, I don't just give you my, I want to die to this old person. And I want you to come and live inside of me because I need to be a new person. And that's what Jesus does. He comes and gets inside of us if we, if we invite him. See, the gospel's calling you and me to come and die so Jesus can come and live. That's Peter's story. But I believe this. I believe it can be my story and your story. Amen.